I do not say I am Steve Perkins. I don't let my son say I am Steve Perkins. I say justice for Steve Perkins. And the reason for that is, I don't think this happens to me. I, I really truly think this doesn't happen to me. I think you, in the subconscious, even if it's not outward, I believe that is in the back of people's minds when they're on the scene. Josh Moon. That is David Person. Oh, I like that. I like you. you. You've sped it up just a little bit. Sped it up the last couple of weeks. It's, uh, you know, however you choose, you're choosing. Um, hey, before we get before we get really started in the show, we, we do need to uh, to spend a minute or two talking about uh, the folks over at Wing Creek Entertainment who yeah. have been so kind to uh, to sponsor us. Uh, but. You know, I, I was thinking about this after last week's show because we talked about, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're the sponsors and we we like them and we've done these things. You know, we we actually even before the sponsorship uh, stuff had talked very glowingly about uh, about the folks at Wind Creek and mm-hmm. uh, their facilities. Uh, they are. Uh, they are top of the uh, of the heap when it comes uh, to to gambling facilities, especially in this state. I mean, you know, they're uh, they're, they're regulated. They're you know they have uh, the the nice facilities. They have the hotel, the restaurants, the whole you know deal. And, uh, and then they own you know several other properties around the country and around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so they they know what they're doing. Um, but they they have always been you know very good about um, uh, keeping things professional keeping things you know when you go in there it's a it's a it's a nice experience it's a you know they want you to have a good time they want everybody to enjoy themselves uh and and they make they they go the extra step to make sure that they they do that and you know i, I think that, that there's something to be said for that mm-hmm. absolutely uh and while i have not yet availed myself of their uh of, of those properties which i hopefully we'll be doing before the year is out or at the very least um, uh, the first part of next year. Um, I've been in other properties that they are associated with uh, or have a stake in or there, or there, or certainly that the tribe has a stake in the Porch Creek tribe has a stake in and uh, they are wonderful properties. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just like, you know, what I like, as I've said before, is the fact that they have been very, their portfolio uh, is very robust and diversified yeah. here in yeah. North Alabama and other places, and uh, it's it's impressive. You, you know, something I think we should do, and and I know some people may think, oh, you're pandering to your sponsor, but I I disagree. I think we should do uh, we should actually do at least one feature. Um, if not more than one, on just the history of the Porch Creek Indians in yeah. in the state of Alabama, because uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't really know a lot about the Porch Creek Indians other than that they are here and they are a major economic player in our state, 
Uh, but that's about all I know. I don't know yeah. the history. I think we ought to we ought to do something on that. Yeah, we could we could do that. You know, it's, it's a good time. You know, there's a uh, you know a major motion picture coming out now about another tribe, uh, the Osage Indians. Uh, I've read that book, Killer of the Flower, Killers of the Flower Moon, um, oh, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Um, it is awful. Wow, just unbelievably awful. That that tribe was for a period of time. That tribe uh, was the wealthiest group of people in America. Mm. Um, it, uh, they discovered oil on their mm. reservation, uh, mm. and, uh, they were, uh, extremely wealthy. And then, uh, slowly bit by bit, people came in and, and stole it from them by awful, awful means. Mm. Uh, I mean, just murder and torture and mayhem. And it just is terrible, but yes, uh, but, and I, I'm going to, uh, I've studied a little bit of the Porch Creek history, so I know a little bit about it. I know that the, that they have experienced atrocities as well uh, in their history. And so, yeah, no, that's absolutely something we could do. And, you know, and as I've said before, it gives me so much pleasure to see our racism uh, be turned uh, against us at times uh, with the Porch Creeks and, and them achieving such, uh, such wealth and, and stature in this state. And, uh, and, and to do so, you know, from, I mean, the absolute, you know, dirt floor bottom, uh, yeah. you know, to pick themselves up the the way they were treated and, uh, and pushed and, and marginalized. And so, yeah, but, uh, you know, to, today, today they are the largest, uh, hospitality industry employer in the state of Alabama. Hmm. I mean, that that's, that's how far they've come. Uh, they operate, uh, a dozen gaming enterprises in North America, and have four uh, AAA, four diamond rated hotel, spas, nightlife, and a wide variety of dining and entertainment at, at their facilities. And it's, um, it, it is, it is something to see. Y'all, y'all give them a, give them a shout. Go or go, go down and, and visit one of the properties uh, in the state or around the around the country. You know, wherever you can, or around the world, they've, they've got them yeah. in, uh, in the Caribbean and all over the place. So I'm, I'm happy right. to be affiliated with them. I really oh, I am too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's a, it, it, it is a, uh, it is a top notch organization. Um, let's, uh, let's get ourselves started uh, with right. some political speak. Um, there is right now um, in our state, um, and I wrote about this this week in a column, uh, and I kind of tied it to the death of Roger Bedford. Um, uh, and it's the nationalization of politics is killing us. All right. Um, that's the reason why we have such stupid things happening around this state. Uh, is it's not Republican Democrat, although you know Republicans do their first year, but it's it's the nationalization of politics uh, to the point where we have taken on national issues and stopped caring about local matters that really and truly impact us. Um, and Roger Bedford is was the perfect example of this. Um, in 2014, Roger Bedford got beat by Larry Stutz, and everybody just chalked that up to, well, you know, another Republican beat a Democrat. But here's the thing about Roger Bedford. Roger Bedford was the master at directing money to his district. It was to the point that people, it was a, it was a running joke around uh, around the state house, around the state, really. People in that district loved Roger Bedford. They loved him. They they were they they made up T-shirts about this man. 
Um, even when he would get, even when he got into various scandals or whatever, they loved him so much they didn't care about the scandals. They had people, oh, he got into some of these scandals. That's the reason why he got beat. No, this was years later after some most of the scandals uh, that he got, that he lost to Larry Stutz. Matter of fact, the people in that district used to have shirts. My dad had one of these that said hmm. Roger Bedford. He might be a crook, but he's our crook. And <laughs> I mean, that's how they thought of Roger Bedford. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's that's, seriously, and, <laughs> and the reason they printed him up is because nobody believed that he was really a crook. What they believed was was people were mad at him because he knew how to play the game about uh. getting money back to his district better than these other fools knew how to play it. All mm. right, and so that's what he would do, and he did things like get a million and a half bucks in state funding for a field house at his high, you know, at the, his hometown high school, uh, and so that's what he was famous for and man people adored that man for getting that money you know and, and creating those economic incentive packages and and let's also be fair he was a great friend to the public school teachers and the teachers union he was also a great uh, uh supporter of a fully funding medicaid and medicaid expansion uh he was you know he he cared about the people uh, around there he didn't stop he didn't change he didn't. He didn't curb his ways. He didn't suddenly become a self-serving, uh, any more self-serving than he was. And yet, in 2014, he lost hmm. to possibly the most self-serving individual that has ever served. His one of his first acts in the legislature was to attempt to appeal a law. And I'm talking about Larry Studs here. And one yeah. of his first act was to try to appeal a law that dealt with a, a woman who died in his care. Mm. And it was about, you know, it was about maternity stay after, after mm. a woman gives birth, allowing them more than 24 hours to stay in the hospital for monitoring. That that's, it didn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't something that forced insurance companies to do this. It was something that allowed it to happen. If the doctors felt it was necessary and the same, you know, then he, he also tried to repeal a law against uh, notifications for dense breast tissue. Uh, which was something that Roger Bedford cared a lot about because his wife had breast cancer. Um, his late wife had breast yeah. cancer. And, um, and that's and, you know, that's really offensive to me. I have a friend who um, she probably would be dead right now had she not gotten the 3D um, breast cancer, uh, the mm -hmm. 3D mammogram. Right. You know? And it's because of the density of her breast tissue that she was able to uh, get the insurance to pay for it. So that's especially offensive to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, and that's who you're dealing with there. Mm. And, and, and he wasn't a well-known or well-liked guy. In fact, I've not heard anybody that really likes Larry Stutz, uh, especially after he got in there and they saw what he was about. He almost got beat by a Democrat a few years later. Mm. Um, you know, it, it just, you you look at that and you say to people, what are you doing? You know, your goal here is to win for you in politics, okay? This right. is what this is what you're supposed to do is to win for you and your family. And if enough of people like you win, you know, or, or vote that way, then you win. You force people, the, the, your representatives, to do things that you want to do, to go down to, to Montgomery and fight for the construction projects and the what, what infrastructure projects or whatever. And you know, that's the goal here is for you to win and not for the team to win. You're not on a team, okay? Mm -hmm. If the team wins, you're losing. 
as a working class person because that team ain't about you. Not anymore. Your only power is your vote. That's the only thing that can help you overcome the money that these other people are putting into it to get these people to do what they want them to do. So so let's let's delve into the this whole nationalization trend a little bit because as I see it, um what basically happened was the Republican Party in particular decided that they were going to use certain things as wedge issues. From my vantage point, that's what it looks like. So, you know, let's start with um let's start with maybe um well, you know, I all the way back to the civil rights movement, maybe. Um we, we might even be say that to some degree it started there with um with uh the uh the switch that happened when uh, the Dixiecrats began to shift to the Republican Party uh, because uh, they nationalized, uh, or at least tried to nationalize, uh, the segregation argument and and, and extended into uh, a more racial argument. And they actually did have impact around the country beyond the South. Maybe we could say it started there, or maybe we could say that it started a little bit later with uh, the nationalization of the abortion arguments. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when that began to become a real wedge issue, um, you could also throw in, even before that, when Nixon decided to wage this phony war on drugs that they knew was phony, uh, but they knew that it was the only way they could really attack the groups that they were trying to attack as voters without you know, uh, basically talking about blacks and young people explicitly. And so they were able to just frame it as drug users and they, they created, they started using code words. I mean, I mean, that's the way I see the nationalization sort of, uh, the origins of it and the evolution of it. How do you, how do you see it? Well, I think that you're right. Uh, there were a lot of those issues that, that people started and from, from way back, you know, uh, a long time ago. You know, I feel like um, the the real effort that was put in to nationalize things came about uh, with the birth of Fox News um, mm, and the okay. spreading of these uh, right-wing talk shows all across the country, you know, with the, with the funding mechanism to make sure that they got propped up. And a lot of that was uh, the, the brainchild of Karl Rove. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they started at the bottom. Um, they started at the bottom uh, by nationalizing races that nobody really paid a whole lot of attention to, but who Rove very smartly, I hate to admit it, but very smartly uh, saw were were vitally important to getting things done in a way that they wanted to get things done. And that was Supreme Court justice races, um, you know, other, other down ticket races that a lot, not a lot of money was being put into. And they started funding those things first and they built from the bottom up and they kind of shifted the political focus then to those um, national issues of, you know, whether it be crime. I mean, you know, you get on right now. And I mean, here we are in Alabama uh, and and we're we're talking about things happening at the border. You know, yeah. what? Or, you know, that 
You know what I mean? And, and so yeah. and, well, every state's a border state, you know, when it's this bad. What are you talking about? You know, the <laughs> only thing that bothers us about the border is we can't get enough workers from the border to come over here and work and, and do the stuff that people don't want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, that, and yes, I understand that there's a flow of, of pharmaceuticals, uh, illegal pharmaceuticals that flow across that border. Yeah. Um, but you know what? The overwhelming majority of that isn't coming from those folks just running back and forth across it. Okay, uh, it's a very small uh, minority of of the drugs coming across there is is from that. Uh, they're they're coming in, in in other ways in much larger quantities. Uh, but you know, it's just planes. They're coming yeah, over in planes. They're coming in planes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, it, but it just is. You know that they 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 manage to. Uh, to use that that system that they have, and I mean, listen, it's a you, you you sit back and look at it sometimes, and it's it's kind of absurd how in step everybody in that system is with each other on hmm. talking points about things. It is, I mean, especially on the lies about things. It is absurd how willingly people go along with lies about just blatant, obvious truths, uh, and they just continue to spread it and continue uh, to say it. And it is from Fox News down to the talk shows, down to the politicians, down to the, you know, uh, to the consultants, to the, you know, to the, to the comms people. They all are in lockstep on almost all of these issues, and they all say it, and they keep repeating it over and over and over to the point where there are voters who want to believe this because it's you know it's it's great to believe that Biden has a wide open border and isn't stopping anybody. Uh, you know, it's a lie. It's a blatant lie. But how many times have you heard it? I mean, how many times do these people say it? How many times do people just put it out in a press release? I mean, we we talk, we've praised Katie Britt a lot on here, and I like her a hell of a lot better than our other senator. But at the press conference, talking about border issues down there, and she launched into this whole thing, this compassionate plea for people to talk about these people and, and their real life plights and how they struggle and what they're doing and how they're risking their lives. And then at the you know at some point, she uh, like the Republican machine caught up in her head and said, oh, yeah, by the way, this is all Biden's fault because he got the border wide open and he's attracting too many people here because America's too attractive. Uh, I mean, and it's like, what are you talking about? You know, and it just that's what I'm saying. It's like everybody has to stay on cue. And and if you just do these things, then you can keep getting elected. And, you know, that's all they care about. That's all they care about. You know, and I saw an interview with Mitt Romney the other day. And Mitt Romney said, we, we've stopped caring about people who do things mm-hmm. and we've only started and we've started electing people who just make noise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's and that's a great assessment. But of course, he enables that by not speaking out more and, mm-hmm. and by not making a stronger stand. You know, so while I credit him for a periodic spouting of the truth. You know, especially now that he's made it clear that he has no longer has any political aspirations, he ought to be riding that horse every day. He ought to be trying to save his party. He ought to be yeah. talking to Katie Britt, you know, quite honestly. And maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, Katie Britt, who I don't support as a political candidate, I do think, um, you know, has the potential to be. Uh, a very useful senator to Alabama, just as her predecessor was. 
and mm-hmm. she has the potential, I think, to have a great um, to create a great legacy for herself, just like her her predecessor, her Republican predecessor. Even though I don't agree with their politics, you know, um, but but not if she's saying stuff like that. Not if she's yeah. not if she is bending, you know, you know, if she's yielding to this sort of. Uh, you know, and I understand she's a Republican. She's not a Democrat. So she's going to have to say things periodically that are probably going to piss me off and that are going <laughs> to piss you off, you know, and I get that. But, but you know, at least it could be something that's, you know, a little more substantive and not so way off into the grass. I mean, yeah, you know, come on, Katie. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we actually, you, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Josh. And and you know I'm and and, and be clear, I'm a liberal. Mm-hmm. I vote for Democrats probably ninety to ninety five percent of the time. I'm mm-hmm. on the Madison County Democratic Executive Committee. Mm-hmm. You know my my partisanship is not a secret, but I'm rooting for Katie Britt because I'm rooting for Alabama. I want Katie Britt to succeed because I want Alabama to succeed. Same here. Same and way. I think that she has the potential to help Alabama succeed, but not if she ends up, you know, drifting off into way off into the ocean like uh, like the other senator we've got. God knows what the heck he's doing. <laughs> the stuff he's oh, saying. Right. You know, oh, we don't yeah. need her to be him. We need no. her to be Richard Shelby in her own way. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what we what we desperately need is for our voters to worry about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know that's all. I'm, that's all. How? Why is this such a fight? Why is it such a fight for me to get y'all to worry about yourselves? Okay, I mean to stop caring about you know the the border or you know some fictitious migrant caravan or you know some some of this other you know racist horseshit let's be honest it's just mm-hmm. a lot of it's built on racism and stuff and mm-hmm. stop and even in this state stop worrying about stupid libraries and you know the porn at libraries and when, drag queens you know, tell yeah stories. and drag queens and transgender kids um, you know, stop worrying about that stuff and worry about your school system Worry about your public school teachers. Worry mm-hmm. about you know, the funding for the roads and bridges in your town. Wonder why you don't have the infrastructure that you need. Why your internet keeps going out all the damn time and your kids are having to go and sit in a parking lot somewhere to get reliable internet. You know, worry about those things and elect why, people who get those things done. Why you don't have clean water in, in, in yes. your community. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Worry about why. Worry about those things. And or hell, if you have clean water, worry about why it costs a damn much. Mm-hmm. Why is why is my water bill so high? Why is mm-hmm. this, you know, why why is trash pick up forty dollars all of a sudden? You know? What mm-hmm. the what is going on? Where, who are my people? And let me tell you why it's happening. It's the same reason that all of these companies jack their prices up, because you weren't paying attention. You were mm. distracted by the politics of this crap, and you weren't paying attention to it. If you knew, like for all these things, most of inflation, 70% by some estimates of the inflation has been driven by corporate greed. All right, Corporate profits account for the majority of the inflation that we have seen. But you wouldn't know that because all you see is the little Biden sticker saying, I did that. 
Mm. You know, and that's I, what you've allowed to do. You've been tricked. You've been fooled. You've been bamboozled. That's right. Stop I'm being gonna, bamboozled. I'm going to say one other thing too, and I know this is going to anger some people or 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 confound some people. Stop conflating religion with politics. Yes. Stop it. You know, do some research. You know, stop believing the lies that this country was founded by Christians and based on Christian values. It's a lie. It's not true. There's no history. There's no reputable um, history that has been arrived at by consensus, by academics. That, that that establishes that. In fact, if you look at some of the original, um, you know, if you look at like the Federalist Papers, for example, if I remember correctly, uh, James Madison was very explicit about uh, um, uh, the fact that it was not, that this yeah. was not a, a country founded on Christian values, even though he may have been a Christian himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with, uh, what's my man who founded Rhode Island? Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Um, Roger somebody. Mr. Rode? What? No, it wasn't Rode. It's not Mr. Rode? It's not Mr. Rode? Are you sure it's not Mr. Rode? <laughs> I mean, they named the island for him. Surely it's the name Mr. Rode. I don't, I don't think, no. It was, it's Roger, uh, ah, gee, I used to know it. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really clear when you look at the history, even though my memory's failing me right now. Our history is impeccable. I think it's Mr. Rode. <laughs> I don't think so. And that's R-H-O-D-E, Mr. Rode. Uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't founded based on, on, in fact, in fact, if you do some reading, and I know uh, uh, John uh, Meacham has a great book on this that I've got in my bookshelf somewhere mm-hmm. about public religion and the history of public religion. In fact, if you want to know the truth, Thomas Jefferson was a libertine. Benjamin mm-hmm. Franklin was a libertine, meaning these guys were basically uh, they were they 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 may have had a belief in God, but they had a very sort of what we would call today a very liberal, almost esoterically liberal theology that mm-hmm. they subscribe to. And Jefferson, in in particular, you know what Jefferson did? Jefferson had created his own Bible essentially, where he ripped out all the miracles of Jesus Christ. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't buy the miracle thing. He didn't. Yeah. He was. He subscribed to a more, um, what some theologians would call a more historical rendering of Jesus, yeah. as opposed to a yeah. a uh, metaphysical, esoteric depiction of Jesus. Yeah. You well, know, uh, let me tell you, Hamilton has ruined me for all these people because when you said, you know what Thomas Jefferson did, and I want to say he's saying you don't have the votes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great musical, uh, by the way. That's oh, it's fantastic! It's a brilliant. Uh, I mean, uh, it was brilliant. one of the one of one of my my little girls. That was one of her first things. She's got a, she's got a dress. She dressed up like Eliza from uh, uh, from nice. from Hamilton, and nice. uh, and and we'll dance around the house and sing the songs and stuff. She still uh, but, likes it. She still likes. it. Oh, she loves it. She loves that. Great. She loves Wicked. Yeah, she's uh, nice. yeah, she's yeah, nice. uh, she uh, loves them. Um, uh, but. You know, as I tell people all the time, whenever I hear this about Christian nation and founding a Christian nation and what their their real intent was with all this stuff, I always say the same thing. All those pages were blank when they started. They could put anything they wanted to on there. 
this is what they put. They put down their religious freedom. They put down there, we're not going to have established religion. Exactly. That's what they put. Exactly. That's what they put, okay? Exactly. You can say anything you want to say. In the final product, this is what they put. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's let's uh, let's slide out of here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Attorney Carl Cole about uh, uh, a lot of the legal matters uh, surrounding the uh, Stephen Perkins shooting. Should we call him Stephen or Clay? It's um, you know I know that uh, there's a Clay Clay was apparently what he went by with a lot of folks. Uh, well, I've only know. seen Stephen in the yeah. news. Yeah, I know media. that all the hashtags are Stephen, so yeah. we'll, we'll stick with Stephen. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk to him about that uh, about that that shooting and and the aftermath and things that have gone on there. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Back in a moment. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor. And uh, go, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, That would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, You know, people might pay us to do this. Uh, You never know. Yeah, but but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, and some of the more Android-friendly, you know, platforms Uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Justin, don't, 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 don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now. Uh, to have with us a, a Decatur attorney, Carl Cole, the Cole Law Firm. Um, and I know uh, you've probably, if you followed the the Stephen Perkins uh, shooting situation at all, uh, as awful as it is, uh, you have you've probably seen Carl's name mentioned. Uh, and uh, because I, I know there have been several uh, media stories and uh, news stories about uh, things that have gone on from a legal aspect, and they've they've kind of talked to Carl about a lot of that because. Let's be honest. Carl's a pretty good attorney. Uh, he went to some state school uh, to get his law license. Uh, what What was that state school you went to again, Carl? Well, I went to undergraduate school at Troy. Let's not forget uh-huh. that. Okay. My whole family, my whole family went to Auburn. Let's right. not forget that. Okay. But but there was really only one affordable state school for law school, uh-huh. and 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 I went to that one. <laughs> How did they I know a, this was going to devolve they, into an Alabama bashing session? They, they had a really great, they have a really great ba- football coach. Uh, is that what, while you were there, they did? No, no. Oh. I, I, I love going to football games there, wearing the visiting teams. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's a, listen, Carl, Carl is one of the, is legitimately one of the best. All right. And uh, you look, don't, Take my word for it. Just look him up. Uh, he, he knows his stuff. He's smart, and uh, and he can. He, and he he has the added bonus of being a decent human being. And so uh, it's always a good combination. Um, I, I wanted to get into this, I, but first, before we get into just the the legal uh, stuff, more the more minutia of this, I, uh, you're there, indicator. You're well known. You know a lot of people. Uh, you talk to a lot of the city council folks, the mayor, the the you know the the movers and shakers, uh, whoever they may be uh, around. What indicator among those people, uh, among the folks that that really kind of help shape what the cater is every day? 
What is the feeling about this shooting? I would conservatively say that seven to eight out of 10 of the people that would meet the description of who you described feel the exact same way. And that is, they feel the shooting was wrong. Mm -hmm. They have a big question as to why the police were even there. Mm -hmm. Um, They want Aaliyah to move swiftly. Although probably the lower end of that estimate number of people don't really think the Aaliyah report is even necessary at this point because of the um, videos from the neighbors that are out there. Um, Now, those other 20 to 25 to 30% of the folks are um, people that want to get every question answered before they do anything. Mm -hmm. And as a lawyer, I've had that discussion with them that we try cases without having every question answered. You just don't have that luxury in the real world. There will be unanswered questions when this is all finalized and done. Um, But they want to gather as much information as they can before they do anything. But I would say that at least 70% of the people feel um, very similar and it's closer to the way I feel than it is um, the other side. Well, you you brought up those videos and that's going to kind of be my first, I guess, real legal question. Um, And so we can all see on the videos that that are out there. If you haven't watched them, just Google up, you know, Stephen Perkins and you can find all of these videos from the neighbors out in various, from various news outlets out there, including uh, the Alabama political reporter, if you'd like, you know, however. Um, But you can see um, in these videos, you you know the backstory is that the tow truck driver supposedly came to Stephen Perkins' house uh, to repossess the trucks. Uh, Perkins allegedly came out, confronted him. At that point, uh, he left, uh, confronted him with a gun. That is what the the story was originally. Although I don't know exactly how much of that story we should still believe. Um, and then the tow truck driver left, and then he returned with police. Um, and the returning with police part. Uh, is what has gotten a lot of attention because the police didn't go up and knock on Perkins' door. He didn't. They didn't. They didn't set a truck outside with the lights flashing or even not flashing in front of his house to let their presence be known. They instead uh, took up positions: one across the street, hiding behind a parked car; two on the corner of his house, hiding behind the corner of his house. Uh, and then when the tow truck driver started to to get the truck, and Perkins came out uh, apparently with a gun again, according to Aaliyah, he had a gun. Um, to confront the driver because he, again, the family believed that they, they were repossessing the wrong truck. Um, the cops basically jumped out like they were hiding on Halloween and yelled and then started firing almost immediately. At least one cop did. Mm-hmm. Um, so from your understanding, should the police have even been there? No, without question. No, the, um, the law is fairly clear, although I had, dealt with repossessions on the back end after somebody has had their car repossessed. I've helped them get it back before. I'd never really looked at the front end of it because typically the paperwork's in order and you don't have to worry about that. Those companies don't want to get sued for wrongful repossession, so they do their due diligence. What I had not known until I actually pulled out a law book um, was that the tow truck operator cannot breach the peace in any way. 
Mm-hmm. And breach of the peace has been defined by the courts in Alabama and other places um, in some very passive ways that you can breach the peace, including cutting a lock off a gate is a breach of the peace. Um, if the homeowner or the car owner comes out and bangs on your window, that's breaching the peace, and you should disengage from the repossession attempt um, basically, if there is any resistance whatsoever, if there's any confrontation whatsoever, the 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 repossession should end. Um, so that's on the tow truck driver. Um, on the police, it is very clear that the police are not to be involved in a repossession absent a court order. The the, the statute uses the term judicial process. But the um, what that means is a court order. Mm-hmm. And I think the Decatur Daily or one of the news stations has, has determined there wasn't a court order, as you would expect there not to be in the middle of the night when the repossession was happening. So um, short answer to your question, no, they're not supposed to be there. And mm-hmm. something that I found out after a couple of the media outlets ran the story, um, police officers retired and current from Decatur and elsewhere have said that's pretty common knowledge that they're not supposed to be involved in a repossession. Um, and there was a tow truck driver, a former repossession tow truck driver, doesn't do repossessions anymore, though he does do um, tows, said, we all know that. They're not supposed to be involved. And there's obviously good reason for that. It's a situation that's civil yeah. in nature. And you don't want to send out limited police resources on every civil dispute that you can avoid. So, um, and then the greater reason not to do it is evidenced by what happened to Mr. Perkins. Yeah. So, so before, real quick follow up, real quick. So, is there has there been any rumor or any maybe not even rumor, maybe something that somebody has said as an explanation as to why they were there? There's a lot of rumors out there. And I talked to people all over the city, um, including police officers. Um, I've represented police officers in the past. So um, I think that's why some people are bothered that I'm taking such a strong position on behalf of the Perkins family. Um, I think I've got some credibility on both sides. And one reason I say that is I don't really engage in the rumor spreading. Right. Uh, In fact, I like to find out more about why this rumor is out there. One thing that I have heard is that this is the third shift of police officers. That's when the tows usually happen. There was from some familiarity between the tow truck driver and the officers. So I've heard that. I don't know how familiar they are, and that would be complete speculation. But I do know that they had some familiarity with each other. Um, And there's rumors that go, obviously, much further than that that I'm not even going to dignify. Um, because I don't know um, the hard truth of the matter. What I will say is this. The official explanation when talking to um, public officials or public employees has been, well, we weren't really helping with a repossession as much as we went out there on the report of a man with a gun. And I've got a huge problem with that because – If you watch the videos, that's not going out to deal with a man with a gun. Mm -hmm. 
that's going out to aid in the repossession. So when the first person that threw that defense, for lack of a better word, out there to me said it, I said, no. I mean, if you argue that publicly, you're making a huge mistake. Um, and I imagine some lawyer is going to tell you that besides me in the future. <laughs> because anybody that throws that out there, based on what we see in the video, that's not what police do in terms of dealing with a man with a gun. You don't come up, not with, not just with your blue lights on, with your headlights on, mm -hmm. and take up a tactical position. They don't knock on the door. They don't do anything um, to deal with the man with the gun except set up to take him out if he comes out with a gun, mm -hmm. which they were already told he had already done. And that has been my biggest concern and question for those officers is what did you think was going to happen? You were already told he had come out with a gun. Did you not think he was going to do it again? And you were prepared for it, apparently, but you were prepared for it in the wrong way, in the lethal way. And, and I apologize for, you know, filibustering, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. Well, no, you, you're not the, you're not the only one. I'm, I'm very angry about it as well, Carl, and uh, have uh, not held back my anger. Um, and, and the reason I'm angry primarily is that when you look at the video, at least the video that I saw, when, when Mr. Perkins comes out of his house, you see the flashlight. And the video I saw was grainy, but you see somebody flashlight. You hear somebody yell police, and then less than two seconds later, maybe less than one second, actually, they immediately start shooting. Right. I mean, That's right. what kind of justice is that? What kind of, there how was, could that possibly be protocol and following procedure? The, there was no possibility for him to comply with an order. Exactly. None. It was too fast the officer that's yelling doesn't finish saying the word ground before the shots get fired. Yeah. And I think I probably saw the same video as you. I, I think it was enhanced in some way. And again, I don't, I don't want to engage in speculation, but it looks to me like when the bullet strikes him, that causes him to drop what was in his hand. It looks like it's being dropped from above his shoulders, um, which you know, I don't know if the body cam is going to show anything, but it looks to me like he may have had his hands up, which mm. is even more painful. Um, it, it's grainy. It's hard to see, but I've watched it. I bet I've watched it a hundred times, mm. um, timed it, and, and it's it's just unacceptable. And um, so, I, so, so, Carl, let me ask you this: um, In light of everything we've said. This this appears to be a situation where there was absolutely no justification for what the police did. Um, we suspect that there was some kind of a connection between the the police officer and the tow truck driver, even though we don't know that to be 100% true, but that's what we're hearing. I've heard the same thing or read the same thing. Um, what do you think was really going on that night? Why would they go to such lengths to do what they did? You know, because it, it you know, my, my feeling is basically, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to be really be, um, 
I'm going to be inflammatory, Josh, with what I'm nope. about to say. Go right ahead. Um, I believe, based on the configuration of the officers, based on the time of night, based on the number of officers, I believe that th- this was almost like a planned execution. And I know that's inflammatory. I know that's outrageous. But, but, but I also believe that there's no justification for what they did. And they did it at such a level of intensity and enormity that it makes me think there was no other intention than for Mr. Fletcher to die that night. I, I can't go as so far as to say there was no other intention. What I will say is I don't think there could have been another result based on what they knew before they went out there. So it's, it's, they knew or they were told he had come out with a gun when a repossession was attempted. They knew they were about to attempt another repossession. They had to know he was going to re- respond in the same way. It's either the worst lack of judgment or something else mm-hmm. that can only be worse. Um, it's just, it's baffling to me why they were out there, why they didn't knock on the door, why they didn't tell the tow truck driver, go file a report tomorrow. There are a hundred ways this could have gone and 99 of them don't end up in Steve Perkins lying dead in his front yard while the tow truck driver takes his truck away. Yes, and I said, only, I said Fletcher. Thank you, Perkins. Yes, yeah. yeah. The, the only one that ends up this way is the way it went down, and, and it's it's just unacceptable. You know, I didn't know, I did not know until sometime. I mean, maybe maybe as late as this week that that they actually took the truck away while he was laying there dying in the front yard. That he's that the, that the tow truck driver still took the truck. Yeah, I I do not know if the last video I saw. Um, if it had been condensed for time purposes, yeah. uh, because we have such short attention spans, but it looked like it was less than a minute after he's laying in the yard that the tow truck driver leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, how do we allow that to happen? I mean, why is that not part of the the scene? Yeah. Um, I, I, Again, just a lot of unanswered questions that don't seem like there are legitimate answers to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, just because it's my understanding um, that a lot of those cops knew him. They, they knew Perkins. They worked out with him. Uh, the chief has said that he knew him um, right. and, and worked out with him. So, <laughs> you know, this, you're right. It's it's just there's there's so many questions, and, I'm, and we keep asking you to you know to fill in you know I guess with with rumors or what you've heard or whatever. But uh, it just it it doesn't. None of it makes any sense. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, um, you know, David, David said it looked like an execution. And, and I've said before, you know, I'm not saying it's an ambush, but I can't tell you that an ambush would look different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, I, I've also talked to some people and, and you know, and I know, uh, you know, we, uh, nobody's put the, the name of the, of the actual cop who did the shooting out there. I mean, I know who it is. And I know where he is in his progression through the police force. 
Um, he's a fairly young guy um, and has not been on, from my understanding, has not been on the force all that long. Um, so, and, you know, and I'll get into, I guess, maybe a little bit of the rumors and stuff here. If one of the things that's taken so long is that apparently he's not necessarily willing to take the fall for this uh, because he was basically following the orders of superiors. Hmm. And uh, not not to shoot necessarily, but to arrange himself in such a position uh, that he was hiding beside a house. And so I guess at that point, I mean, I don't know if you've ever dealt with anything like this or not, but what sort of liability or uh, responsibility do the superior officers have for putting a younger officer, maybe even the one who did the shooting, uh, into such a situation? Well, that's a great question. And I, I have wondered myself because obviously I have heard rumors and, and seen the name circulating on social media of the shooter, mm-hmm. but based on his age alone, it was very doubtful to me that he was the senior officer on the scene. Yeah. So I, I was wondering about how that all came to be. So I think from terms of an employment situation, that's one of the things that the folks at City Hall probably do want to see the body cam and hear what was said and what was instructed to know how to deal with the other officers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that potentially has some legitimacy in terms of why they haven't acted as to the other officers' employment. What was said? How was the whole endeavor orchestrated? Um, but in terms of liability and and criminal culpability, civil liability and criminal culpability, I think we can look at George Floyd to know that those senior officers on the scene have responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not just one officer that faced repercussions. Um, in the George Floyd's case, um, although only one officer held him down on the ground with his knee in his neck, there were others there that were also held responsible either professionally, civilly, or criminally. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the the book has been written on on that yet. I don't think the determinations have been made, and that may be the one place that the audio and the investigation from Malia is going to shed some light on it. Well, I got a got a real problem with those uh, those guys still being out there ordering folks around. Uh, you know, well, uh, I I really really hope, and I have expressed this concern to multiple people at City Hall. I hope that no one that was on the scene is part of the crowd control uh, that's mm-hmm. going on. I Great think point. that would be I think that would be foolish from Great all point. sides. Um, well, I'm probably I, going to disappoint you on that because <laughs> I think at least point. one. I think one has. <laughs> great point. Uh, hey, let me let me ask this before we run out of time, Josh. Um, the the elephant in the room for many of us is going to be race. Do you think that the race of Mr. Perkins had anything to do with this? I do not say I am Steve Perkins. I don't let my son say I am Steve Perkins. I say justice for Steve Perkins. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason for that is I don't think this happens to me. I don't think, you know, conservatives make fun of liberals all the time about AR-15s. They say, oh, the big, scary gun, the big, scary black gun, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what we're dealing with is Steve Perkins was a large black man, fit, in shape, had the big beard. I, I really and truly think this doesn't happen to me. I think mm-hmm. you, in the subconscious, even if it's not outward, I believe that is in the back of people's minds okay. when they're on the scene. I, I believe that strongly. And I got emotional because my son asked me, um, we have a rental house not far behind, and there was somebody unbeknownst to me that my wife had arranged to look at it. My son's outside playing ball, and he said, Daddy, there's a man in our house, in our rental house. So at night, I get my gun, and I walk outside. And thankfully, I figure out who it is before I get there. But my son said, had the police been there? Could that have happened to you? Hmm. And, you know, I don't think so. I don't think the same thing happens. I also don't think they act the same way. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to call anybody a racist, but I think subconsciously we have to understand that race can play a part in how we interact on the street yeah. as officers. I think we have to understand that. Yeah, I, I agree. I had a long conversation with somebody the other day about this, and he was adamant that this was not a racial thing. This was a just a, a, a poor performance by police. And I said, yeah, but what led to the poor performance by the police? You know, do you think if they if they show up at your house in a, you know, a modest neighborhood somewhere, do you think that they're they're going to they're going to show up over there the way that they did? You know, it's a white guy I was talking to. No, of course not. They're going to go to the door. They're going to knock. They're going to say, they're going to find out what's going on. Hey, 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 we're just here to see what's happening, you know? And right. that's the, the position that they're going to take. I mean, trust me, you know, I grew up in Decatur. I've dealt with Decatur police. They've come to my house before for house parties and various other things. Um, and that's that's the way that they approached it. It was not a it was not a hostile deal. It was hey, we're just here to try to figure out what's going on here, you know, and uh, and I think that's exactly the same way that they would have treated this uh, situation had it been somebody who looked like me or, or Carl. And that's I, I just I honestly believe that that's the way they would have approached it, and they would have not they would not have been setting up to assist illegally assist a tow truck driver to repossess my car, you know, if there was some. Uh, dispute about this. They just wouldn't have done it. And But uh, la- the last thing for me, and because I, I did want to talk about the arrests that have happened since then, uh, some of the disturbing the police. Uh, there was one, and I got into an argument on Facebook, which I don't do very much anymore, but I got into an argument with an attorney friend of mine who's a conservative, and uh, he was saying that cussing can be, you know, considered disturbing the peace, you know, and you can be arrested for cussing, and and I, you know, I, I know that you that can be under certain circumstances and whatnot, but it does seem like they have taken some real liberties in arresting some of these people uh, for stepping off the curb. You know, stepping off the curb is not supposed to be illegal; it's impeding traffic, right? Right. 
Right. It, you know, we're basically arresting people for jaywalking um, <laughs> is what's happening. Um, you know, Garrett Rawls, who was arrested multiple times and is still in jail, actually tried to visit with him this morning, but um, there was limited capacity to be able to meet with him. I'm going to go when we get off just to check on him, make sure he's okay. You know, his first arrest, you know, he was blocking traffic on 20. Um, kind of blocking traffic on 20. His second arrest took place um, because someone saw him through binoculars when no police were even out there um, and identified him, and then they sent police out later to arrest him. Um, so, yeah, are there things happening unusual in terms of dealing with protesters? Yeah, I think so. And, look, I'm not telling anybody to walk in the middle of Highway 20 or 6th Avenue. I ain't going to do it because I see people drive on it, and I'm not risking – you know, getting run over by an 18-wheeler yeah. to do it. Um, but at the same time, there's something to be said for civil disobedience. It's been one of the things that has led to the the very important societal and structural changes in America. And, you know, I'm proud of Garrick Rawls for standing up for what he believes in. He is a, um, a strong young man. And I want to say something about him. You know, he goes to Chicago to protest the plight of the homeless there and the treatment they receive. He sleeps in homeless shelters to do it. I mean, this is a guy that, that lives the life. He doesn't just talk Ooh. about it. Wow. Um, so he's a, he's a strong man trying to make change in the way he can. Um, I would tell him stay out of the road. If I were talking to him right now, you know, Ooh. just, it ain't, it ain't worth it. The young lady that was arrested for cussing, you know, at about 10 o'clock at night, on second Avenue, you know, the, the idea behind that law is that you are using profanity in a threatening way right. or to incite someone or doing it around young children, something like that. Well, none of that was going on. Nobody out there was offended by any swear words that were being said, except the arresting officers. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's obviously some liberties, but I will say this. I, I do know that after um, one of the meetings, one of the council meetings, uh, maybe the first work session that was well attended, I know that the police were sent home. You know, they were not going to be out there that night, which I think was an absolutely correct decision because I don't think anyone involved in that protest is going to cause harm to anybody in Decatur. I don't think they're out there for that purpose. I think they're out there to lend support to the family, to bring attention to the cause. I don't think they are at this point going to engage in any rioting or disruptions of burning it down is the word that was used. Mm -hmm. I don't see that happening. It only gets tense out there when there's confrontation between the protesters and law enforcement. So I think sending them home was the right thing to do. And I hope the leadership, whoever's making that call, and I don't know who it is, but I hope whoever's making that call will continue to think that way because right now um, de-escalation should be the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. And listen, we, we appreciate you, you coming on and spending uh, way more time than I told you you were going to have to spend uh, uh, to, to do the interview. It was my fault. I know you're busy. 
No, it's not your fault. It's a great answer, man. We're glad we're glad yeah. you did it, uh, and we keep asking questions, and so um, and and we really do appreciate it. And hey, keep up the good work. And yes. at some point, we'll we'll get back to working on that that broken jumper that you've got in basketball, um, and uh, you know we can we can get back out and play a little ball. Yeah, it, it, I do need to get back to that for many reasons. Uh, better for my health. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate That's you so right. much. All right. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate you, man. That's uh, Carl Cole, the Cole Law Firm. I'm telling you, man, um, uh, it's the the guy is is good and 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 is a good guy. That's 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 about the best you can say about somebody. Is he's good at what he does and he's a good guy. And awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get out of here. We'll come back and wrap this baby up in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. All right. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. Alrighty, welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. Uh, again, I'd like to thank uh, attorney Carl Cole for coming on and also for uh, the, folk, the fine folks at uh, Wind Creek Entertainment for sponsoring this beautiful podcast. It's I'm, I'm going to start talking like Trump sometimes. I'm going to say things like beautiful more and huge and just huge, really start overstating. They really bigly. start overstating. It's, oh, it's it's uh it's it's a beautiful, such a beautiful podcast. It's a it's really class class. It's just gorgeous. Really it's a gorgeous podcast. <laughs> have you ever heard? Uh, have you ever heard Jamie Foxx do a Trump do the Trump impression? I don't think so. No. Oh, dude, I gotta send you that. He is spot on, man. <laughs> Trying to give me the virus. <laughs> oh, he sounds exactly like him. Exactly. Like nice. Him. Yeah. I believe it. That guy's yeah, so glad hilarious. To see, uh, glad to see Jamie Foxx back up and at him too. It's uh, I was worried about that dude for a little while, man. He he hosts one of our favorite show, mine and my wife's uh, show, that uh, the Beach Shazam uh, thing. Him, him, oh, he and his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I do that show and we, we watch that all the time and it's not been the same. They've got Nick Cannon on there and uh, Kelly Osborne and it's just Mm-mm. not the, yeah. I, I fully expect uh, Kelly and Nick to have a child together at some point. Um, <laughs> that's what Nick does. That's <laughs> just what Nick does. Uh, you know, uh, it is what he does. You're right. Yeah. He procreates. He does that, man. <laughs> He's is. done a lot of procreating. Oh God. Oh, all right. Um, all right. We had a couple of things. We're going to be quick getting out of here. Uh, uh-huh. because you know, it's just, we're, again, we're appeasing fans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, but we did have a couple of things that we wanted to bring up. Uh, one, uh, there is finally, it appears some closure in the, uh, long and winding Natalie Holloway, uh, mm. ordeal. Um, yes. And uh, Joran van der Sloot uh, has uh, admitted uh, to killing her finally, um, uh, hitting her with a with a rock after he had kicked her unconscious, and then you know basically smashing Ooh. her head in with a rock and Jesus. or a concrete block uh, on the beach in Aruba, and then f- uh, floating her body out into the ocean, and uh, I guess you know that uh, took care of itself at that point. And um, you know I, I said on on Twitter. 
yesterday and probably should have written a column about this and, and may still. Um, I have remained in awe of Beth Holloway. Uh, her Natalie Holloway's mother, and I, you know, I'm not discounting her father in this. I know that the pain has been every bit as much for him as well. Mm-hmm. She's been the front person on this. She's been the driving focus. She's been the one on the interview. She's been the one in front of the camera. She's been the one in the police stations and at the FBI offices, encouraging people to keep going, trying to, you know, meeting with lawyers, trying to make deals, trying to do this stuff. This lady did this for 18 years. Mm. She got duped a couple of times. She had people making fun of her for, you know, for continuing on with this stuff and for not letting it go. And people who I know she she's encountered thousands of eye rolls. Oh God, here comes Beth Holloway again about that, you know, and I, you know, I don't know what her life is going to be like now. Uh, but man, the perseverance mm-hmm. of that lady mm-hmm. to finally get that jackass and to finally close this thing up. Uh, you know, because he took a he took a lie detector test, and this was apparently all true. What mm-hmm. he told him was true. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it's just it's it's all inspiring to have that much perseverance with that much hurt, and you know, and I I can't I can't even begin to fathom the amount of pain no, that he man. is, um, and 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 the not knowing, and I just it just is a, a terrible terrible ordeal. Um, and, and I'm happy to see, you know, you hate to say she won cause she certainly, I guarantee Mm-mm. you she would not say she won. Uh, but she, she got the person responsible for it when everybody else would have let it go. Yes. I, I just agree 1000% with everything you said. I mean, I just, uh, it breaks my heart to even try to imagine what the past 18 years have been like for her. Um, it's just, uh, as a parent, I just, I can't imagine it. I just, mm. I, it, it's just, it, it almost brings tears to my eyes, even as I talk about it now. Uh, as you know, uh, I worked closely on a project about a similar case uh, called Finding Tamika. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, had conversations with um, a lot of conversations with um, Tamika's aunt Rebecca, who's uh, also one of our producers on that project, that podcast project for Audible. And I got to tell you, man, um, the the toll that it takes on a family is uh, it's just it's it's just really unfathomable. Yeah. You know, and the and the and the the amount of courage that you have to have. I mean, Rebecca Rebecca Howard, Tamika Houston's aunt, you know, was doggedly determined for a year and thank God they were able to get answers within about a year or so. Mm-hmm. But to have to go for eighteen years oh, man. without I know. knowing I, I know. just can't I mean, I think I'd have gone crazy. Wait, probably by year three, they'd yeah. I'd have been if, if I wasn't dead, you know, through just just the stress of it, or hadn't killed myself just out of depression. I just think I would be in a crazy house somewhere. So I I, I applaud her. I and I thank God that she has this. She has this relief. She and her, she and and, and uh, Natalie's father have this relief. At least. I mean, I say relief, but you know what I mean. I mean that at least yeah, no, they I know, know exactly the truth. what you mean. Yeah, they know the truth, and that, yeah, that's got to be relieving on some level, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 you worry now that you know the the 
the chase was what kind of kept her going and, mm. you know, and, and what, what life is going to be like, in, in, you know, for her. And I, I hopefully she's got enough, enough people around and, and things that, uh, you know, that can kind of take her mind away from this. Now. Yeah. Um, I hope, I really do hope that that, that, that family is, um, uh, is peaceful for a while. Um, yeah, and it just, God, it is, it's, it's terrible, terrible what they went through mm. and, um, you know, but I wish them, wish them all the luck in the world. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and just, and again, in, in awe of what she did uh, for mm. so long. Um, That's a mother's wanted, love, man. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I made, I mean, that may sound, and it may be stereotypical, but you know, but that's, that's what I think about too. Just, <clears throat> pardon me, just a mother's love, man. Just yeah, a mother's yeah. love. It's, it's true. It's, uh, yeah. 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 There's just, there's nothing else quite like it. Uh, there mm-hmm. really isn't. Um, we, we wanted to, to bring up uh, also quickly uh, uh, Mary Harris, who's a librarian yeah. at the Monroe County Library. She was interim director of the library, worked there for 35 years, got fired uh, sometime back uh, because she had um, uh, filed an EEOC complaint against the library for holding a, a Confederate event. Uh, essentially, it was uh, an event organized by the, uh, was it uh, was it Sons of Confederates? Uh, a Confederate Memorial Day event um, yeah. that, that talked about it was allegedly supposed to talk about the uh, uh, the the folks that were that were stationed in Monroe and around. But she claimed at the event she was referred to by one attendee uh, using the uh, the N word uh, mm-hmm. slur, um, and that um, she you know she had some other things going on, and it just um, she uh, the court this week. Uh, said that uh, she could not, um, she did not, she was not discriminated against, and um, I, I don't, I don't really understand that honestly. Uh, it's she was fired because she filed the complaint, and it's pretty clear that she was fired because she filed the complaint. Uh, but I just, uh, I don't understand how how that went down honestly. Mm-hmm. Well. They're claiming in part that um, I guess her her declaration uh, or her allegation that uh, that a lot of the people in attendance uh, were K- members of the KKK was defamation, mm-hmm. and um, so I guess that that gave, may gave not have helped. Wiggled out, wiggled them out, out of that. Yeah, especially yeah. since uh, they say, and of course, this seems a little weak, maybe from where we sit, but they say that uh, <clears throat> women can't be members of the KKK. Oh, yeah. And it's, so uh, the fact the one that one time discrimination them, worked out for them. That's nice. Right, That's exactly. Yeah. And so since most of the attendees were women, that was a, uh, a falsehood. But uh, uh-huh. of course... Uh, you know, I don't, I mean, first of all, it's it's kind of mind-blowing that in 2017, we'd still be talking about active KKK memberships, right? Right, Even yeah. in Monroe County, but um, but even if that even if that's true, that women can't be members of the KKK, I guarantee you them women ain't the ones sewing up them white sheets <laughs> and making them white hoods. I mean, the men aren't that, doing that. Men aren't doing that. It reminds me of that great scene from Django. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're not saying we don't appreciate the work she did, okay? Right. <laughs> I can't see shit out of this hood. <laughs> yeah, so um, women, women may not be 
active members, but I but yeah. <laughs> if they're playing an active role, I bet you that. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, um, um, yeah, it's just hard to conceive that that the court could, with a straight face, say, "Yeah, thirty-five years, wasn't man, fired because she was black." 35 years she worked there, yeah. filed one complaint and got run. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so, sorry, Mary. It's, uh, if we could help, we would. Um, but um, all right, let, let's uh, let's do our right wing nut and get ourselves out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our right wing nut is, is the Republicans in, in Congress uh, mm-hmm. who cannot count. <laughs> that I mean, how many times are you going to take a run at this, guys? And, and honestly, Jim, Jordan, uh, I mean, it just now they're just going to go with an interim speaker because that's, that's what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but it's, you know, listen. Not not surprising that the uh, the folks that believe in trickle down economics uh, don't know how to count. Honestly, <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah. I think it's funny that Jim Jordan uh, thought he was going to waltz in there yeah. and doesn't realize how hated he is by his own party. I just yeah. think that's hilarious. Every depiction I've ever heard of him is that he's apparently understood to be a jerk. Yeah, and 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 a, and a not very smart jerk at that. So. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny that he doesn't even realize how he's perceived. Yeah, you're right about that. And well, maybe some of those wrestlers from Ohio State will finally catch up with him. Oh. Um, all right, oh. let's uh, let's get ourselves out of here. Till next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace. <laughs>